Hello and good evening. Welcome to the Member Surgery Live on behalf of the North East Region. My name is Scott Haslam, President of the Leeds Number One Amalgamate Branch of the Communication Workers Union. This is our final episode in the pilot first season. And uh, what have you thought of the surgeries? How would you like them to evolve uh, into the next season? I've got some ideas and I'm in discussions with some of the uh, national uh, people. Uh, but in tonight's session, we are joined by Mick Kavanagh. And we are also joined by Bobby Weverill and Weverill, sorry, not Weverill. Uh, who are both national and post executive members. And tonight, boys and girls, we are going to be talking about customer service points the changes, the Romal properties and facilities, solution cleaners, culture, and some other delivery topic this evening. So, hi guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm uh, Mick, Mick Kavanagh, I'm Vice Chair, Chair of the Postal Executive. executive. Um, um, sorry it's gone on to half five, but we were an executive all day today, so quite clearly, uh, thanks, you know, it's been a long day for us, and we're more than happy to be on on tonight. Um, I've been vice chair since 2012. Uh, I was a divisional rep for the Midlands over for many years. Uh, I've worked for, well, Royal Mail since 1972. So I'm a quite, quite an age where we are and I've seen a lot of changes that have gone on over, over that period. Um, looking forward to, to tonight to go through any of the topics that Scott has just said. And, uh, hopefully we have a fruitful, how long ever it takes. Thanks very much. Bobby? Okay, thanks for that, uh, Scott. Uh, my name is Bobby Weatherall. Um, I'm on the National Executive and Postal Executive, and I've been on, I was on it in 2010, 2011, and then back on 2013 to date. Um, my background, you know, um, you know, through various, over the past 30 years, I'm in Royal Mail 43 years, but the past 30 odd years, I've been a representative in various roles uh, in the branch. Um, Branch Secretary, Branch Chair, Assistant Secretary, um, Transport Secretary, Area uh, Distribution Representative. Uh, and But I've dealt with many, many areas, you know, within Royal Mail functions, you know, uh, over the years. And I'm delighted to be invited on to here tonight to discuss the things, you know, that, that is important to you. And, and at this moment in time, I work to the Outdoor Department along with McKevina and to Mark Balch. So, more than happy to to speak to you and answer any questions that I can. Excellent, thanks for that, then, uh, guys. So, as they uh, Mick and Bobby have alluded to, they are in the outdoor department. So, you know, do ask questions, and we will get to them during this evening's session. But in the meantime, I'd be most grateful if you could help us reach uh, any colleagues that you're working by sharing, tagging them. And if you haven't done so, consider liking the CW Leeds Facebook page as well as the Northeast Regional page, as well as subscribing to the YouTube channel too. So let's get this session into flow. So to kick off the conversation tonight, um, I think the customer service point is, is a big change. It's got a bit of history behind it. Uh, so Bobby, I wonder if you could sort of explain where where we were with the customer service points, how useful they were, how how has it changed through the pandemic? You know, why why have the changes necessary now? Yeah. Well thanks, Scott. Uh, Roy Meal over the years, you know, um, and I've led in some of those discussions with the business on customer service points and they've wanted to standardize because customer service points all around the UK and different offices had different opening times, different closing times, and and it didn't seem to match up with the data and, and what the customers' needs were, uh, and when the customers were actually arriving at those points. Now you know they had tried for for many years, but what happened over the pandemic, it, it sort of shone a spotlight on the customer service point, and it it, it then spurred on the, the employer then to have a, a more in depth and closer look at it and give themselves the opportunity to look into the pre-COVID data, by the way, not the COVID data, but the pre-COVID data, you know, to see what they what they, they found in, in that to come up with a proposal to standardise uh, across the country. 
And the ones that are standardized, those from very large, large, medium, small, very small, and micro. There are six categories that they place them into based on the data and the footfall in those areas. And I have to say, their opening gambit to us was unbelievable. They tried it on by saying there's some of those micro and small offices, we believe that we could close those. And they wanted to close as a minimum on their first try, 200 customer service points. And we opposed that and, and we, we, we stood our ground and we prevented that from happening because the point that we made was, is that we as a CWU, we see the customer service point as the shop window and the shop face to the customer and the public. And we wanted to maintain that. They then went to another uh, position of closing all the customer service points on a Monday. And we went, well, we're not going to have that either because we're also going to Sunday deliveries as well, coming into the pathway to change. So there was a lot of discussions that went on. But the reason for standardizing it was is that they believed that, that they had to bring it into line with what the customer demand was. So through, uh, must have been from away last September, October, um, they had a couple of tries back and forward with us. To we finally arrived at a position that the postal executive, I mean, I brought the postal executive, I presented to the postal executive and, um, and the postal executive endorsed the position that we were. But um, if, if people knew exactly where we started from to where we are now, you know, uh, that would be an eye opener. Excellent, thank you. Uh, I, I mean, funny enough, there's certainly some members uh, that are certainly from the Leeds branch uh, of Voice, uh, sort of some concerns about uh, where the hours sit on the customer service points. So, was there like uh, some key? What? Why? I don't know if you can understand. Um, try to explain why there's certain gaps in in certain days, and. Um, you know, how maybe how how would those gaps, uh, people's yeah. jobs actually, um, how, how could we help mitigate where the jobs sit, if that makes sense? If you, yeah, if you could yeah, take a two uh, hours, someone's day in the middle, what what will they be doing in, yeah, in the intro look, sort of thing? That, that's exactly the questions, you know what I mean? And we listed all of our challenges on a document, you know, and that was obviously one of them. I mean, I mean, what they wanted to do initially was, you know, start some people at eight o'clock, you know, open it at nine, close it at 10, then open it at 12, close it. And, and so what we said was that that's that, I mean, that's not good enough. You know, we needed to open it longer. But in between times, we also said to them, well, look, how are you going to, you know, man, how are you going to resource that with people? And we did talk around that. I mean, even though the it closes to the customer, the shop face closes. It doesn't mean to say that you could not be doing other work in the background, other customer service work, maybe in-flight stuff or whatever you need to do in the customer service point or other work within the delivery office, you know. Um, so we made it very clear is that this isn't, you know, um, an agreement, you know, with those gaps to make it, you know, part-time here and part-time there. What it is is that you've got to work along with the local representative in the office and the, the staff in the office to understand what work is there between those gaps to carefully employ them on full-time duties. And that's our main stance. Now, there, there may be those within the customer service point may say through discussions or negotiations, well, look, I, I don't mind doing part-time. I don't mind even taking a reduction hours or a buy-down. Um, I don't mind if, if they don't need two people here. I don't mind going you know, to maybe another office or maybe want to take, you know, redundancy, you know, voluntary redundancy, if that was the case. But we, we, we made sure the options were all there so that people, you know, could sort of buy into and have a look at and, and, and what suited them. But we also said no one will be compelled to do any of that, you know, uh, compulsory, or no, no compulsory redundancy, but not compelled to take buy-downs and not be compelled to take, you know, VR. But it's there if people wanted it. Excellent. So we've got a couple of comments coming in related to the CSPs. 
I think uh, AJ's is, is a fantastic uh, point in the regards to that, you know, it is giving the public a service that they deserve, uh, picking up the P736 and cutting hours to see it does frustrate customers um, when the service becomes unbearable with long queues. Now, the question there is, uh, the larger units do have longer windows, which would have the busiest um people come in and i would imagine which is why there's larger uh, windows it does that possibly mean then that so, say with some of the larger units that if they're shutting some of the hours down that they might be doubling up the staff to to peak to, to justify the peaks or um what well, no, i mean no, you... sorry sorry Scott. go ahead no it's, it's okay i'm just trying to understand no, i don't... mean aj's point is about uh, public into it and in front of it mm -hmm. so has that those changes being communicated to the customer and you know the feedback i think he's saying is that if the windows are shorter then there's going to be an increased likelihood of, of queuing so if there's going to be an increased likely of queuing are we looking at because we reduced the window that we might be doubling up staff where where you know uh, the traffic dictates more than one person or, or what well, like, let, let, let me thread the answer. Through the pandemic, and, and we changed, as you know, the hours of the customer service points. And, the, and Roy Meal, you know, closed them on a Wednesday, and they had different times, you know, shortened times because of, you know, the, the amount of uh, first time deliveries. You see, the first time delivery, even at this moment in time as we speak, is over 97, between 97 and 98% first time delivery. So the amount of meal that was coming back pre-pandemic and, and through the pandemic, and even now, even as people go back, uh, there's people going back to work and working in, in, in supermarkets, working in uh, shopping centres and, and going back to industry. I had a, a meeting last Thursday with the business and it's still sitting at 97.26 of first-time deliveries uh, at this moment in time. And it's something like a statistic like that, obviously we, we just can't ignore now, in regard to the queues, you know, I did ask, what are the queues like? Because, I mean, last year when the pandemic hit, everything was all over the place and, and, and the queues and there was arguments out in queues. I mean, the information and what I, the discussion I had last Thursday with the business, that is all settled down and, and, and that doesn't seem to be happening. But if it is happening, then in any area, wherever that is, then please let me know uh, because that's not the view and the data that I'm being presented with and the information. Um, the complaints nationally, I mean, it's basically uh, about, you know, um, this online stuff, you know, and it's, it's not even about really queuing and things like that. There are a small percentage about queuing. And there was ours actually put in uh, the very large offices and the large offices to increase our, because what we find with the data, the highest percentage of customers coming to the customer service point is on a Thursday and a Thursday evening and on a Saturday. And that, that's what it is. And that's why they put, you know, hours in on those days to accommodate when the, the footfall was at its its its, its highest. And, and and that's how Roy Meal presented to us. And that's how we what, what that's what we negotiated on. That's fair enough. I mean uh, it's it's a fair point what AJ is saying. Uh, but I also know as I've on one of the previous sessions that we did, we we're talking about homeworking and a lot of the admin. Mm -hmm. I mean, quite a lot of the economy is actually working from home. Um, and businesses, to quote uh, Andy Hopping, are, are being clocking. So, you know, if if we're uh, in this position out where we've got a lot of admin people working at home, uh, and other other industries have people working at home, they're more likely to be home when their deliveries come, which means. That improves the first eight, which is what exactly what you've just been saying. So, in some regards, the pandemic has probably um, uh, as as promoted likes of the Amazons and such their delivery models, which um, do use us, do use us, and you know people at home and, and are actually accepting the delivery first time round, which is good because that's that boosts customer service, doesn't it? It's just unfortunate mm -hmm. the upshot of boosting customer service in deliveries is that it reduces workload in a customer service point in, in a lot of offices, but not necessarily all. So, uh, on, Bobby? Say one other thing, you know, in regard to the data, and, and, and I get the data every week on what is being returned 
to the customer service points in a national basis, a national figure. And the figure normally sits between 50, 50 to 55,000, you know, returns coming back into the customer service points on a national basis. But over 30,000 of those are asked for re-delivery. There's only, I mean, only about 20, 20 odd thousand, you know, come to the customer service point now, you know, to collect their meal with the P739. Um, and a lot of people, the, ma the majority of people are now going online to have it re-delivered. Re yeah. It's a fair point. I mean, if, if you're paying for a delivery service to your house, then you're not going to go and pick it up somewhere, are you? Unless you've got the option to deliver it there in the first place, which, you know, but uh, it, it is. Um, Mick, have you any comments on that? Or do you, would no, you, should we move move along, mate? I think Bobby's gone through and he's been dealing with that issue, you know, and he has gone through the executive point you just made. So Excellent. if you want to move on then, Fred. Yeah. So, can I just say hello to, to Mickey? Hello. So, say that again, can Bobby. We're on mute, sorry. Could I, oh, sorry, could I just say hello to Nikki from Wet Wang? Um, I think she's a cleaner down there and I had a wee bit of a laugh and a joke about that that one time. So how are you doing, Nikki? There we go. Uh, if you get your comment on, Nikki, then we'll get it put on screen and every five minutes of fame. Excellent. There you go. There's mm -hmm. Nikki. Excellent. So... Um, Right, so the next next point, topic of conversation for today is the Romel's property and facility solutions cleaners. And my first question, Mick, is can we shorten that down? Because that is one hell of a mouthful. Yeah, it is. It is actually. And um, it is sometimes it's difficult for me actually to get the teeth around it. But I think, you know, where we are with our PFSL or as, you know, the, the company itself, uh, it was a massive achievement to bring them back under the Royal Mail umbrella. And I think, you know, at the time, Ray Ellis and myself went, went through that, that area to, to bring us back, bring it back under the umbrella of uh, Royal Mail because quite clearly uh, what they wanted to do with it was to, dare I say, flog it off to another company. And I think the terms and conditions that they're currently where we are, which still are not good enough. And I think, you know, from my point of view, we're doing everything we can on a national basis especially on the living ways, the real proper living ways, to get our cleaners up onto that level. And if, if they, if the company that we're after at the time have got it, I don't think, I think we'll be having a different conversation where we are tonight. You know, quite clearly, it was a massive uh, achievement to get them back. And if you remember rightly, a few years prior to that, we were looking at probably a dispute to actually bring them back under the umbrella. So I'm pleased on that, okay, where we are at the moment, they are under the Royal Mail Group. There are some difficulties with that, and you know, at the end of it, we're still trying to iron them out on a national basis. But look, the last, as Bobby's mentioned about the pandemic and the effect on customers, customer service points, it's a massive achievement that our cleaners have dealt with over the last 14 months to deal with that issue under the pandemic and the, the pressures they've been put under. And some of that has not helped with some of our managers in Raw Mail themselves. We have got uh, some good news that we are now looking at a new delivery spec that will come into play because the pandemic has quite rightly shown the issue uh, where we are with lack of cleaning in delivery offices and in some mail centres up and down the country. And we do need to make sure that we get a proper spec in there. I think the issue for us is how we get there. And it's about spending money for them to make sure that they do put the proper cleaning facilities into a lot of the delivery offices up and down the country. I'll deal with the delivery side of it, so I'll just talk delivery at the moment. Um, we're hopefully getting to them talks very shortly. Um, where we are with RMPFSL on other issues, for example, we're looking at a new industrial relations framework. That's on the, on the go at the moment. Uh, I can't really go into it at the moment because quite clearly there are issues at the moment with the engineering side of it, but on the postal side of it, our, you know, where we are, the cleaning side of it, we have got an agreement that, that needs to go in front of the executive and hopefully we can deal with that over the next few weeks. But I do have to say, um, hand, hands up to the cleaners, what they've had to put up with. Uh, you know, it's a magnificent what, what they've had to deal with. I've, I've picked that up during the last 40 months where we, and even the regional representatives, we, I've picked that up um, meetings on a weekly basis. And some of the things they've had to do, you know, I'll, I'll, 
hold my hand up to them. Absolutely fantastic. And every time I get an opportunity to say that, I do say that even, I think, some of our colleagues on the executive hear it when, when I do say it, because it, it's under, be under no illusion what they've had to do it is massive. And hopefully when we come out the other side of it, and fingers crossed over the next few months that we do see the back of this pandemic, whether we do or not, we'll have to wait and see. But one of the issues that they are looking at at the moment is whether on the 21st, if he does come out of the lockdown, looking at BAU. Now, I've made it clear to them. And I think one of the issues um, they're looking at is to, is to try and get rid of the uh, touch point cleaning, which is an absolute disgrace, because as we know, that's one of the biggest issues that we've had. And the extra time that's had to go into uh, cleaning is the touch point cleaning up and down the country where we are. And I think, you know, uh, for me, um, where we are with RMPFSL, we're, we've got some issues and we've got to deal with that. Um, I think, you know, like I say, I'm proud of the way our cleaners have dealt with that. And we just need to make sure their terms and conditions are improved over that period. And I think there is an acceptance from the new chief executive that's come in that we do need to look at where we are. And it kind of bounces onto the estate as well, to a certain extent, where, where we're looking at the new uh, estate, DO estate, because that's been in decline. And I think we've had a, a business that's looked at uh, closing it instead of, sorry, closing it, but also not looking after the actual estate itself. And where, for example, under the culture side of it, where there, there is a, a, at the moment, I think six delivery offices that we're looking at uh, to put, put extra money into the actual fabrication of the building itself, making it look a lot better because at the end of the day, whether you're a postal worker or a cleaner, you really do not want to go into a docile. Some of the, the issue areas that we've got in some of these offices up and down the country they needs to be spent on and upgrading some of them buildings. So where we are overall, and the other point, of course, we've, had, we've just had the, the pay rise on PFS, and I'm glad we did do a three-year deal because it gave them a, a bigger pay rise, and especially with, with the, with the, um, the um, issue around, uh, for example, the RPI, where we are at the moment. So we'll be getting into them talks this year again for the pay rise and quite clearly we need to and there is a commitment in the in the pay offer we did a couple of years ago to actually bring cleaners up to the real living wage and we mark and myself are making it absolutely clear to uh, rmpfsl that's where we need to get to so overall scott um congrats for me the, the work that the cleaners have done and it needs to you know at the end of the day it's not blowing up their own trumpets they've had to put up with a lot and i think hopefully our members whether it be in the process or anywhere else, give them that to acclaim as well, because quite clearly a lot of work has been done over that period. So, you know, for me, my, my thanks to them and what, what they've done. Excellent. Very glowing uh, account, really, of, of what the cleaners have done. It's all the unsung heroes during the, the pandemic, I, I believe, for sure, along with the engineers, what kept the machines and the vehicles going, to be fair. So, uh, yeah, that that's a fantastic. Uh, sort of analogy and and to be fair you said to me earlier today that you're up in Leeds on this real estate uh, tomorrow as it happens is, is that about yeah that's, yeah that's correct well what we've done is they've gone out and done a survey which we did with the, with the divisional reps and they, they're going to give us the findings on myself and a couple of divisional representatives that meet on Friday to go through what, what they're looking at and what we've got to do is make sure we hold them to account because quite clearly as I said that chief executive has been uh, the new is it Thompson, I can't remember his name, um, has gone round to a lot of the estate and seen it because it's been starved of finance. You know, quite clearly that finance has been starved from a lot of the delivery officers up and down the country. And I think he's seen that. And I think also the issue is whether the estate, and especially with the, the change from the letter side of it to more parcels, is whether the room, you know, in a lot of these offices, there's not a lot of room. And we do need to make sure that we try and, well, even in new delivery offices, that, that there's proper uh, room for people to be, our members to be able to work in when, when they're there. Excellent. Excellent. So, uh, other than uh, what AJ and I think you covered it off in your opening gambit on the cleaners, was about the territory reps. And I think when he means being dealt with, I mean advertised. 
but as you've alluded to, there's an IR framework review going off and we're, we're close to, to rolling that out from what you were saying. So uh, it's just keep uh, <laughs> keep posted. Just watch really. this space. Just watch yeah, this exactly. space. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so excellent. So thanks for that, Mick. So the next topic for uh, conversation tonight is road traffic accident procedure. So, Bobby, um, road traffic accident procedure isn't necessarily a completely change of of the um, agreement per se, but certainly the there's been some. Uh, I think people in deliveries where they they have this banged on about putting the handbrake on and turning the, the wheel, and then you end up with a, a drive away. They're linking that to a road traffic accident and then going straight to conduct on it. And that, that's been sort of a key key point. And I suppose, against the, one of the topics we're going to talk about later in terms of culture, that's, again, about addressing the culture and the approach of culture towards the RTA procedure. But would you want to expand on, on the RTA procedure and, and, and any other areas that uh, we're sort of looking at? Yeah, Scott, you know, as a couple of years ago, like, you know, uh, I think with 2017, 2018, maybe we've seen a, a sort of a, a raise in rollaway vehicles. Um, and Roy Mill took a position on rollaway vehicles because of the potential of harm and damage that that could do uh, and that potential. They, they took a hard stance on it and they started dismissing very senior people, by the way. You know, it, it wasn't something that was just in and you know, in a six months and had a rollaway. I mean, these people, you know, some of these people were 30 years in the job. I, I dealt with the case on the, um, um, I have to say, I'm glad to say that we won the rollaway case because this this is another thing that, that, that changed a light on, on agreements. When I was doing that NAP, and it sort of rolls into, you know, the, the NAP stuff, but in that, the, the guy, the chair, the person that chaired that was a barrister, and he was quite confused about the, 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 the last agreement of the RT procedure that was agreed in 2012. And he was asking me, well, can you tell me exactly where the conduct actually does sit in the road traffic accident procedure? And I have to be honest, I mean, neither I nor others on the panel could actually answer that question. So what we've, what we, we've had major arguments with the business because of their stance on the rollaways. Now, saying that, look, um, it's a very serious matter. A lot of damage has been done by rollaways and people have been injured. So it's a really serious matter. So we should not take that lightly. But what it spurred us on to do was reach an agreement to find exactly where discipline should sit. And what I always say to, to people, whether there are a rollaway or whether there's anything in regard to a road traffic accident procedure, and, and even conduct, you, you want to be saying is, well, what, what is the, the mitigating factors within it? That's the, that's the first thing. But there's other factors, you know, um, I'm trying to find the, the term that, you know, uh, that was used to be by a sort of one time, like, you know, the aggravating factor. So uh, in particular, that means, you know, the aggravating factor, what actually was the outcome of a rollaway? What, like, what damage was done? Like actual damage was done? What harm was done? what damage is done to the vehicle or property and other, you know, take everything into consideration rather than just say, right, what we're going to do now is just dismiss you because you didn't put your handbrake on. Now, what I'll say to you is, I know a lot of our, you know, drivers would say to us, oh, I put the handbrake on and there's something wrong with the handbrake. I mean, we've, we've now done a full assessment of handbrakes and, and the rollaways that, that, and the, the workshop has taken them in and looked at them. And 95% of them, where you know the handbrake not being applied properly, and that, and that's the fact of the matter. So it's really really important. But it's on the late on, on the road travel, and we, we insisted that we need to sit, find exactly where the conduct should be in it. And what we have done is, and I we haven't put that out yet. The, the executive agreed the document back in the end of back end of January. But there's an outstanding issue that Roy Meal uh, of field to concede, and that's the professional drivers, and. And we're there removed from driving, whether for accidents or uh, whatever, or even medical reasons. Because, you know, when you go from an LGV driver and that type of wage to come off any sort of driving and go inside somewhere to work in the, 
on, on a platform in, in a bull ring or in a processing center, you're going to drop a massive amount, you know, maybe a couple of hundred pounds uh, a week or, or a month, a week, sorry. So um, we, we wanted to see the gradual, you know, uh, sort of down, sort of grading over a period of time in that wage to get them position, you know, where they adapt to that, that, that new wage. So that's an outstanding thing at the moment. But what we've done in this procedure is we've given a proper, you know, layout and process to go through of investigation before any decision is made on conduct. Now, there will still be situations where major negligence is, is maybe proven at the very outset. And one, you can be removed from driving. And two, conduct could well come in at some stage before, you know, um, the thorough investigation, but there will still be a thorough investigation. So some, some managers still may go to conduct only where it's wanted, warranted, and that is in major incidents. Excellent. It's, uh, it's certainly there's uh, there's sort of like two viewpoints when you investigate any sort of accident, isn't there? One one is um, you know is it a case of can do or won't do? So it, you know it, it can that they could have done something wrong, uh, and actually it's proven that mechanically it's something wrong. The five percent, but then there's just intentionally I never put the handbrake on. I don't. I mean to be quite frank, I think if anyone didn't ever put the handbrake on there you know they shouldn't be driving to be fair but um you know i mean modern modern vehicles i mean this is something what uh, i would i would expect that romo should be looking at when they're purchasing and sourcing vehicles a lot of modern day cars now have electronic handbrakes don't they and they default on as soon as you stop and you need to press the button to this disconnect it so uh, i know in the the uh, wagons because I, I drive the the big trucks and uh, they, they, they beep when you don't put the handbrake on. So even a simple uh, safety mechanism like that, you could be retrofit across the whole fleet. So there's a little light that comes on on the dashboard. So that surely it shouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility that they could link some sort of a beeper to that, that sensor. No, um, you're spot on, Scott. Um, and that, is, that has been discussed. And, and that is the intention of Roy Mill. To actually bring in, bring on those vehicles that actually draw your attention, or actually speaks to you. Someone actually speak to you and say you have not applied your handbrake properly. Apply your handbrake, you know, remain before you get out of the vehicle. And there's all those systems that you say that will draw your attention to what you haven't done before you leave the vehicle. You know, so yeah, spot on, and, and that has been spoke about. I know Alan Tate, who's our MT workshop, you know, postal executive member. Um, and he, he has been in discussions over that. Um, so I don't know where we are with that at the moment, but that has been discussed and that is most definitely being looked at. Excellent. Excellent. That's good positivity. For, certainly. It's very quiet on the questions tonight. Um, we have got people watching. Um, I just, I just maybe, maybe I expecting a few more comments from the road traffic. Um, so AJ. Uh, I think the culture of rushing must stop. So uh, I think that's that's a possibility. What may be a contributing factor to, to handbrakes, but um, I don't think it would be everything. So excellent. Okay, so uh, we we're about halfway through the session. So do get some questions in um, because I don't want to get to the end of it, and then there's a flurry of questions, and we don't have time to. To answer them or or indeed we, we end up missing them because it's for, for whatever reason so that's the rta procedure next is culture so specifically culture uh we'll start with you mick if we may yep and as you've already said in your introduction you are a national appeal panelist what is a national appeal panelist um how could you know uh, what's your observations from being one of those panelists uh, and how has culture changed during that period of time? And I know, Bobby, I'll bring you in um, afterwards because you're also a panelist, so you're about to offer your opinion. So, but Mick, over to you, mate. Yeah, that, thanks. I actually, um, from from my from my sins, I'm actually doing the negotiations now for how we set up the panel. The National Appeals Panel is being, was set up to for uh, representatives to make sure 
in the course of their, their union work that they weren't being dismissed or uh, disciplined because of their union activities. And quite clearly, um, it is important. It's, it's, it's important because what it does is, is an added protection just over and above, of, uh, just outside the conduct code to a certain extent. Yeah. So a national appeals panel is made up of, for example, there's a chairperson who is independent, normally a barrister. Uh, there's someone from Royal Mail. At the moment, it's it's the appeals manager, ECR, as they call themselves, and and the national executive member from the CWU. Now, I've been doing it since around 2008, 2009. Uh, Bobby has now been brought onto the panel because quite clearly uh, we need to share that round. And it's not just Bobby, but there's... Uh, from your own area, the northeast, Steve Halliwell sits on it as well and does a lot of representing. So does Bobby. And Bobby, over the period of time since he's been executive, has done a, a cracking job on represent it, representing our rep, uh, representatives. So I say as a double barrel there, to be honest. But, and same with Steve Halliwell. And also we've got uh, Darren Glabocki, another PEC member who's dealt with a few of them as well. So that gives you an insight what it's about. It is important because what it, like I say, it is an added protection to our representatives. Um, over the years, during that period when we, we, the amount of disputes we had in the industrial relations, um, it has been helpful because we've we turned quite a, a lot of our representatives back to work. We've been dismissed, in my view, over issues, for example, uh, during the dispute, uh, disputes that we had. And quite clearly, we have, uh, from my uh, aspect of looking at it, we have a 99% return back and protection to our members over that period. And to the panel, the representatives have done a cracking job over that period of time, representing uh, representatives who have been disciplined for some of that, some of them issues, which quite clearly, if we hadn't not had an NAP, then in my view, a lot of them would have been dismissed. And, you know, uh, quite clearly that, that um, system that we've currently got, is important. We're in the middle of a review of it. We had an actual fact the meeting yesterday uh, on where we are, trying to move it forward, uh, trying to up, up, up use the words in the in the agreement need changing to bring it up into where we are now. Because the last time we did it was 2012, so we're now 2021, and some of the wording is a little bit sketchy. So what we've done now is we we reworded it. There's certain aspects from the from the conferences where um, amendments of sorry motions have been brought in. Uh, we've now trying to put them back into the actual agreement itself, and we've achieved uh, quite a few of them. Uh, there's some guidelines that we're currently doing at the moment. But look, on the culture side of it, where we are over that period of time over the years, I, my view is that management have deliberately targeted representatives. And from from my aspect where we are and sitting on that panel for that many years, um, you can see some of the issues that managers have, uh, have tried. For example, if a representative doesn't, sorry, if a manager doesn't like a representative on making agreements or he's there, they see him as blocking it and they use the conduct code against that individual. And for example, we've done, like I say, we've dealt with a few in the leads. I've gone back your ex branch secondary at the period of time and a few other areas in the Leeds area. We've done quite a few in the northeast and we've returned quite a few of our representatives. The issue that we've got at the moment is is um, there's been a change on the on the chair per chairpersons and I've made it clear to Royal Mail that they need training on the conduct code because what we've got at the moment is and I think some of that is down to we had that discussion yesterday, some of that's down to the appeals managers who are not doing that as an appeal they're doing a lot of review and to me i've made it clear to them yesterday and they've accepted that this is an appeal it's not an et and quite clearly as an appeal there is a different format from the industrial tribunal it's a different uh, way of dealing with it yeah so where we're at the moment is they've accepted that but we're looking to to uh, because of the pandemic and when they brought these chair chair people in the new ones there was no proper training given to them. So, like I say, they try and run it as an employment tribunal, which it's not. It is an appeal. What concerns me, some of the, the uh, appeals managers are running that, that way as well, which is totally outside the conduct code agreement that we've currently got. So we're trying to bring that back into line. 
the pandemic struck, so they've not had that training. We're now looking to to look at them to get them in, and and the panelists and the representatives together. Hopefully, with the pandemic, eventually when we come out of a lock not lockdown, but where we are currently at the moment, then we're going to set that up. They do need training because there has been a few issues that I know. For example, Bobby, uh, Steve, Aliwell have had a few issues with some of the decisions and the way the I've had some as well actually. So the way these chairpersons are dealing with the actual NAPs themselves. From where we're at at the moment, the culture effect we'll see over the next few months. And it has, last year there was a higher amount of um, NAPs. Up to the moment, where we're at the moment, it's not too bad. So maybe the culture, what Terry has been saying, and with trust and all the stuff that's come around it, maybe is starting to take effect. I'm not sure 100% because, like I say, I've done many years in this in this business. And I've seen, we, I've been through too many IR reviews and it seems to go back where we are. I'm hoping this time, tr fingers crossed and where we're going, that we actually see that change that's going to take place in the workplace, not just where our representatives, but also for our members who have to work in these, in some of these areas. And it does need changing where, for example, the DOM, I'll talk, just talk deliveries at the moment, where some of these delivery managers are actually going over and above but that's where we are at the moment hopefully that gives an insight where we are um we'll take it from there scott okay hopefully that's helpful very very helpful because it's it is quite important that um, members know that they can go to the local reps uh knowing that if they challenge for whatever reason which is their right to do as a recognized trade union rep uh that if, if they're challenged and the, the business then wants to challenge them back through the conduct code, we've got safeguard measures in place through the National Appeals Panel uh, to ensure that they're, they're not abused, quite frankly. So so that's good and, in, and it's fantastic. I mean, part of the cultural change is about joint training as well. So where you're talking about training up the new chair on this National Appeals Panel, it's, it's exactly what is happening at the front line where the line manager or your dom or whatever you is uh, going to be having the same joint training which we'll touch on a little bit later um with um together so that everyone's at the same level uh, and again so they've got a common understanding of all that so that that is really great great to hear so um in terms of these appeals then uh, mick Don't let AJ have that uh, comment on there. So yeah, in terms of the, the the appeals, what um, obviously the pandemic's had a major issue with with having the face to face. So I know some of the appeals that our members are having because um, uh, I've worked with some of the div reps to um, sort of upskill myself really, so I can actually start looking at some of them. Um, they've been done over the phone. Is that a typical situation that you've been experienced? seeing as part of the National Appeals Panel for reps as well? Well, we, we made it clear that, that, that under no circumstance will we do a National Appeals Panel over the phone. What we've had to do is, for example, myself and the representative will be in the room with, with, the, with, the, with the, the representative. And the, 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 what, what they've done with the appeals managers, they've made it clear to them that they've got to stay from home and work from home. Yeah, We made it clear today and the executive that if the restrictions are lifted on the 21st and they go back to the agreement, which is face to face, because quite clearly, I don't, but over the last X amount of months since the pandemic, and I think it was reported to the Div reps last week that the way they're dealing with the appeals at the moment is totally out of, out of our agreement. But the actual um, issue around people winning their appeals has, has actually gone down. So we're, as the National Union, are making it clear to them that we will not be accepting further it's got to go back to face to face that's what our agreement says that's what we should be doing and i think what they're doing is they're using it as an excuse to save money um we need to make sure that we get back to face to face meetings with with our members whether you're a representative or whether you're one of our colleagues so that's where we're at the moment i think bob bobby might, you might want to come in on some of the issues around that so if you want to ask bobby scott and i'm more yeah. happy to do that yeah Bobby, yeah, look, uh, some, uh, what, I, what some I would point. like, 
Sorry, what, what, what I would like to say, I know Meg has set out all the, the technicalities in and around and the setup of the um, the National Appeals Panel and how we deal with it and how, you know, Royal Neal deal with it and how the chair deals with it and all those things that we need to get right and and try and get back to the back in the room, believe it or not, because that's that's the best place to have an appeal so that you can, you know, you know, steer your representative, uh, the appellant, in the right direction as well. You know, uh, working from home, there's a privacy issue, you know, whether you're working from home. And that privacy issue is, you know, and I've been pulled up on it by the chair, asking me, as you see the TV in the background on, and I normally leave the TV on as it puts a bit of life into your room. And she thought there was someone in and she didn't want anybody else in my house, you know. And I thought it was a bit of a liberty to even say to me, Who, who's in your house? Like, you know, and I'm going, well, nobody. Oh, your TV's on. I'm like, well, so what? But you see, there's a privacy issue because there could be parts of your family coming in and out and, you, and whatever. And there is no privacy for that, that, that individual. And that's not fair. But what I would say to representatives uh, as as a point of advice, right? I mean, there are representatives, you know, and we all have a working relationship with a manager, and maybe a lot of us do get on well with the manager. But see when the, the chips are down and people are under pressure and representatives are seen as obstacles in the way to a manager's progress, then they start getting, you know, agitated, and then they start getting angry, and then they start disciplining representatives. So what I would say is do not let your guard down. By all means, have a friendly working relationship, but always, you know, keep looking over your shoulder because, you know, they will, they don't, don't get this, take this wrong way. They, they will come and get you. Uh, if someone's coming after them, they'll come after you. You know, so that's my advice to representatives. Just, just watch your back. Hold your nerve. Hold your nerve. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Thank you for that, you two. So, uh, we are coming close to the end. We're just going to cover off another topic unless we have any additional questions coming in. So what we're going to be talking about next is training. So training as regards uh, in a delivery context and um, what we're going to talk about in terms of a delivery context. We've had a couple of sessions, one with uh, Martin Walsh and Darren Gaboki on weighted items per work hour and what a structural and a tabletop revision is. Uh, we've had uh, sessions on parcel routes with Tony Booch and uh, the Sunday deliveries and all this is about radical changes really, particularly for the structural uh, aspect on, on deliveries. So the, there needs to be some sort of package together to aid our reps in uh, being able to deliver something palatable to our members in terms of uplift of part-time to full-time and some innovative duty structures. So, Bobby, in terms of training, how's, yeah. how's that going to manifest? Well, look, as, as you know, that, um, that there's two sort of forms of revision activities uh, out there at the moment. You have the 400 structural re revisions that, that are due to take place, and sort of many of those are underway at the moment. At least at the first 200 anyway and you have the tabletop you know revisions you know and things to consider on a tabletop you know and that's what it is actually a tabletop instead of structural revision but what we were tasked to do myself and bob mcguire and with the support of darren gubaki and darren's been brilliant you know because in negotiations there's there's something like on the structural side of things there's something like 32 tasks to do within the structural revisions um and 53 documents and without his help and support, how we were going to fit those in to various aspects of start to finish of that process, we know we really needed Darren in there. On the tabletop, it wasn't a, 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 that more that difficult. So what we have done is we have put a SharePoint on the CW website on the tabletop revisions. And every document, and there is a video from Mark Balch at the very start, and then there is a stepping stone way through on all the documents you need from start to finish within that um, SharePoint. And you can just click in. It'll tell you what you need to look at, you know, like uh, sort of pre-revision considerations, which is a very good document. It says, do you consider, do you have, you know, uh, sort of 
what do you call it? The um, trying to think of like you know, laps, lap, lap duties. If you've got lap duties, you know, for quite a long time. Well, maybe that lap duty that's been continuous lap, maybe that is something that would go towards you know, you know, your target by, by removing. Um, you've got agency workers, maybe you know, do you need that many agency workers? Is there the opportunity to remove agency and also the opportunity to raise? You know, people's uh, part-time to full-time. There's a whole host of things within the tabletop SharePoint, and that can be accessed through the SharePoint with with a typical passcode that's been sent out to all the divisional representatives, and that passcodes are for everyone to use, and they just go into the the rep section of that. The structural revisions was quite more difficult, I have to say, because that's even as we speak still being added to. Videos are still being added to it. You know, different, you know, it comes in something like four or five big chunks. And then, you know, it starts off with your startup, then it goes to design, then it goes to deployment, and then it goes to, you know, um, you know, your, your, your sort of, you know, PIR. So, and, and every document is all placed within that on the website. Now, there still has, to, there's still some documents that needs to be put in there and a few more videos. But it has been, it's been a bit of a three or four week road to actually get that. It is there now, and anyone can click in that. And if they want to see a document or a task that they need to go to, they just click into it and, and, and they're there and they read it. Now, obviously, anyone that doesn't understand the content of what's in there, then we have our own experts who, who have been doing the negotiations on that, uh, specifically Darren. Uh, and Martin, Martin, more as in the productivity end, the weight items per work hour, Darren's in the structural revisions, and you have Barry Jennings that was supporting them along with Paul Dugdale. So there, there is support there as well, not just the SharePoints, but there's also support, support from those, those guys at headquarters. Just drop them an email if they don't understand something and they'll be able to, to, to answer it. But we've tried our best to, to get a facility for our representatives as a go-to point. And also they can go through their manager and the management share point, which uh, should be identical to ours, albeit the videos at the moment. That's, uh, that's great that Bobby. So I've put on screen, you know, if people are actually interested with about some of the structural and uh, tabletop and what the differences are in a bit more detail then we can hear it from the horse's mouth uh, Martin and, and Darren if you go to the YouTube channel uh, CW leads number one uh, they're all there along with the other surgeries in our first season so in terms of the training uh, Bobby what uh, what I remember when we were having this conversation earlier about uh, the, the training and the setup of the SharePoint and that the uh, the key thing about this training were about little bite-sized chunks. So you've referenced that every little thing, every aspect is sort of had its section. And and that's very much why, isn't it? It's because, quite frankly, it's it's a mammoth uh, subject, isn't it? And quite and it's, if you sit and listen to Martin going on about the, the, the um, or explaining about the tabletop, it's, it's quite lengthy and quite detailed. So I can imagine... If you were a new rep or, or even an experienced rep and then suddenly this was put onto you it would blow a lot of people's minds so to to break it down to these bite-sized chunks has to be beneficial um how how will these bite-sized chunks be rolled out is is it just uh, click the link and self-teach or is well, is that down to the divisions well look i mean a, 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 any rep uh, more than that, any member that has the code can can go in there. You go into the uh, the Royal Mail, uh, the CW Royal Mail, the CW website, and then you, you just put in the search. You put even sort of type in tabletop revisions, and up up it comes uh, into the tabletop. You click in it, and all the documents are there. Now, the the members did ask us when we were doing some sort of roadshows about look, they wanted sort of you know. Janet and John and Dick and Dora sort of stuff to actually show them. Now, we'd like to make it as, as, as Janet and John, Dick and Dora as we can. And we tried it. The tabletop one is one that it should be easy to access. There's an access code. You type it in as a pass, pass code, 
and they all come up. And whatever document you want, you just go through them as you go through your revision process. So if you get to a point on a process, you go, oh, where am I now? I wonder what that means. Especially like on the wheel of lives for work, or within, within that, there, there is part of that presentation and part of that document has a, a calculation on how you arrive at your, you know, your target. And, and it's, a, it's a simple calculation and, and I'm no mathematician myself, but I actually found it easy to equate, you know, um, and, and it's pretty basic and that, that helps to understand your, your, your traffic, understand, you know, your, your work hours, then understand, you know, the, uh, where you are in whatever category you're in. And then, then you know what you need to achieve to over the next three years up to the 196, you know, which is their 100 BSI. And that's a three year flight plan. You know, so I'm not sort of really into all of that stuff, but go through it within the department. You know, I, I picked it up and, and it should be, should be easy enough. But I mean, you know, just drop us a line, anyone, and, and we'll help you through it. Excellent. Thanks very much for for that, Bob. I think you've done uh, outstanding work with with that and explaining that because it is a massive topic. And I think anything that we can do to help our reps to deliver for our members has to be a good thing. Um, I mean, training has particularly been a problem, hasn't it, through this pandemic. So again, having this reference log is going to be fantastic. So what I want to cover off briefly, as you sort of alluded to, the pair of you today is. Uh, a postal executive meeting and in that postal executive meeting um, there has been an announcement today hasn't there about um, it's on SoundCloud uh, so I'll put the link on screen and that's Terry Pullinger giving an update on where we are with the holiday pay so members I encourage you all to go to soundcloud.com slash the CW slash Terry Pullinger update to hear it from him himself so, um, oh, AJ's just made a, a comment, so we'll just bring this in quickly. I think one of the big problems is IT equipment. Rome, I might have a laptop assigned to them. Branches have to also invest in IT, but the problem is Wi-Fi access in uh, DOs. Is that something that uh, you've come across, uh, Mick and Bobby? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I've come across, because when, when we do the NAPs, um, I like to do them in the area where the individual comes from. And what, we are, what we're finding is that when we go to some delivery offices, they haven't got the Wi-Fi or the Wi-Fi is not compatible to try and do do the actual uh, hearing itself. So there is a problem, AJ, and I think you're spot on. And I think it's something that they need to reinvest in right across the board. And it, I've made that clear when, we, when we're talking, for example, the review of national, appeal, national appeals, and I made it clear to them that we're having to go, for example, uh, to, to mail centers when we could actually do them in some of the the You see, the problem to within because it's Royal Mail Internet, and, and to access the internet, you know, you have to have a, a Royal Mail email uh, address to actually go into it. And we find that our representatives are not getting that access to that information on site uh, and because managers are doing something else on there. Um, and they haven't got time to allow the representative on that internet and they haven't got a Roy Meal uh, email address. And it is something, I mean, the members, uh, the representatives in offices, you know, they can go to the manager and say, look, I need to look at the, uh, the, the internet. I need to go to the, the tabletop stuff or I need to go to the structural stuff. And can you bring it up for me? And, and I need to go through that with you because there's something I want to show you. So they should insist to be able to get on to that information in that office. I mean, if I walk in there with just my laptop, I cannot get on uh, Wi-Fi because there's no Wi-Fi available for, you know, sort of personal computers. And in, in, in uh, Royal Mail sites, unless you may go to the union room and they have something set up, but uh, most Royal Mail sites is internet and, and that's a problem for us. Absolutely, Bobby. I mean, certainly my experience Excuse me, I've gone very, very croaky. I don't know if you, you tell them what very well last week. Um, so, yeah, my, my experience with the uh, Wi-Fi particularly is that um, it's a Royal Mail network. So Royal Mail have to actually allow you onto it. So therefore, 
uh, there's two ways you can do that. One is you access a raw mail computer already connected to the network and you use a raw mail login. And the other way you could do it is you can ask for a guest login, which you can ask, access on the, the, the guest Wi-Fi. Having said that, they're not always forthcoming with that. And it is you only get a license for so long, so maybe a month and it'll expire and it'll throw you off. So it's not ideal. I know in Leeds, we have invested heavily through the pandemic for our area reps. And... Um, Again, for these, what we're doing today, you know, how we're doing the, the communications um, and these surgeries, it's all through that investment in, in the IT side of stuff. So, you know, we're, we're, we're ahead of the game, I think, or certainly on par with a lot of the other branches in country doing the same thing. So, uh, absolutely. So, finally then, <clears throat> I, I just want to cover off and sort of promote the next season. I mean, how, how do you feel these, these surgeries are? You know, what would you like to do in the future? Um, and such and so forth. Well, I I, I think they're, they're they're a great thing. You know, um, you know, to be able to connect with with representatives and connect with members, it, it has to be a good thing. You know, I mean, if you're negotiating, you know, and and you talk about holiday pay and resourcing and and apprenticeship and all. I mean, th th these these things, although we cannot communicate that just yet because there's some legal aspects that we're still having to deal with and, and all of this stuff. You know, I, I was part of the negotiating team on the holiday pay and we have arrived at a deal that I think our members will be delighted with, you know, both part-time and full-time. And, and but th there's some legal aspects around the tribunals that we're sitting, that we have that needs to be covered off before it can be put out, you know, in, in, the, in the public domain, let's say. But, um, our members have got some good agreements that we've been through today that's going to come out to you very soon. And and when we look at, you know, what industry and the economy is like and, and the jobs that are being lost in the UK throughout the pandemic, and I feel sorry for all those people and all those closures and job losses, we are creating jobs within our industry at the moment. We're increasing our members' pay in terms of conditions. And we, we're, we're, we're actually reaching some really, really, you know, groundbreaking agreements. And, you know, I'm not just sort of, sort of, you know, patting myself or Mick on the back or the post executive, but strong negotiation brings good agreements, you know, and that's what we have. We've got strong negotiators. We do have a good executive. And uh, in the coming week or, or so, you will, you will see that from the agreements that we've obtained. Yeah, just, just on that, Scott, I think, I think you speak. The pandemic has shown how we can actually communicate with our representatives. But I think also we need to be careful is that it's not the be end and end all, because at the end of the day, you've still got to stand in front of your membership and what are you need to deal with. There is a sub, there is a, a, a way I believe now we can use it. But at the end of the day, it's also about face to face with your members and that, and dealing with issues that are confronting on a, on a daily basis. So. The, the communication side of it has got a lot better, I believe, and hopefully, you know, at the end of the day, most branches up and down the country have picked up on and on the IT side of it. But like I say, I'll just reinforce, there's nothing like standing in front of your members, having a meeting with them and looking them in the eye, as they say, and then we'll take it from there. But Bobby's right, on where we are at the moment, um, with, with the agreements that have come forward, I think our membership will be pleased what they see over the next week or so. And there's, there's issues around there where what we can't deal with at the moment. Terry, like you promote, Terry's gone online, and I think the members have a listen to that. That will give them a bit more of an insight where we are. Excellent. Okay, well, Scott. Just, on, just on the face-to-face, -face, we've got uh, Mark Balsh actually coming up to Leeds. He's going to visit one of the structural revisions uh, in Leeds at Sheepscar. Uh, that's on in July the 20th, I think. And then he's... Hopefully, going to do the live session to review that uh, face to face when he turned up, and we'll meet the members in Sheepscar, and we'll do a bit of a Q and A on that Thursday, sort of review um, what how that day had gone, and a bit about the structure revisions, and hopefully, we'll have uh, some positive feedback on that. Uh, I'd like to thank Pete for referencing Sean Bean as a, as a contrast. Yeah. So I'm quite quite privileged to, to share that platform with Sean Bean. Um, he's from South Yorkshire, I'm from West Yorkshire, but uh, we won't hold that against him. 
So, uh, but yeah, we've got some big ideas coming for for the next season in these surges. Dave Ward's uh, showing some interest. Hopefully, we'll have that one. Tony Kearns, uh, like the idea of possibility of Dave Joyce with Pete's point. So, yeah, some positive things coming. So that's the end of this session. So thanks very much. Mick, thanks very much. Bobby, thanks very much. Thank, thank you, you very much for watching. And uh, remember, unity is strength. See you later. Thanks very much.